0: Hi, I'm Kate Bailey. I'm a coach, an author, and a sober mama. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Love Sober the podcast for Sober and Sober Curious and today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Claire Sweetman. Hi Claire. Hi Kate and Claire is a sober mom. She's a dear sober sis. She's a member of the Love Sober community Um, and she is a Sober life advocate, a bright shining example of bossing it sober as far as I'm concerned. So she's here to chat about her tips and her experiences of what led her to be alcohol free, and also around social, being social and socialising, um, and that's just for me. There's nothing like hearing it from people who've gone through it before, who are managing sort of busy lives. You know that that kind of keeping it real, and we can just always rely on Claire to keep it real. And so I'm really delighted to welcome her today. So thank you, Claire, and welcome. Thank you very much, Kay. I'm really
1: excited to be here today. So thank you for having me.
0: Oh, so we usually start with the check-ins, I not And just say, you know, just let's land, right? And just see how we're both doing today. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you, actually. Um, I've, for this autumn, I'm not working Mondays and Tuesdays, so I've only got three-day weeks. So today and yesterday, my first two days off for this autumn, and it's been lovely, you know late morning bath doing the hair properly that kind of jazz it's been really lovely so I feel very relaxed which is good so yeah all good
0: that's great that's quite a a kind of contrast with me then (laughs) I'm sorry about that I really am (laughs) so we were having a little bit of a check-in before and uh, I've got both you know it's it's the beginning of term right it's we're only a weekend I've got both kids off uh, for various reasons and just you know all, all the stuff all the stuff of life but you know i'm all, i'm all right you know i'm all right too actually and um i do like this time of year and it is great just to feel that routine kicking back in right that school routine
1: yes i hear you as yeah. much as i really enjoyed the summer um I'm quite I think I'm ready to hibernate a bit mm. and just slow down and I went and did a big candle shop over the weekend and they've already been out and yeah I'm
0: looking forward to that actually <laughs> it sounds like you need it after your super super social stuff <laughs> yeah. that we will get into in a minute <laughs> yeah we'll get into that so um just before we dive into that um just so that people listening in to get can get to know you a little bit more would you share a bit about what uh led you to become alcohol free
1: yeah of course um so I stopped drinking in September 2020 so my two year soberversary is this week and it's been a whirlwind actually but I started drinking when I was about 14 you know familiar story teenagers one of those cheap alcoholic drinks here and there and I was an anxious teenager I didn't have no confidence and really low self-esteem I was quite a porky thing as well so being the big girl out of my girl group you know yeah I stood out on that front and I was you know loud and bubbly and had the personality there but it wasn't I didn't feel as though that was enough Um, and I was brought up around alcohol. Alcohol played a big part in my childhood so yeah it wasn't ever a case of nobody don't drink it was everybody does drink so yeah the teenage years kind of run away with me and then before you know I was 20, 20 in my 20s and partying and the alcohol was that social crutch it gave me to feel confident to be confident and just yeah go out and that was my thing really so I partied I partied hard and I thoroughly enjoyed it but at the same time I was quite aware in my 20s that um it might have been a bit too much but I didn't stop but I definitely tried to moderate and I would um, have little projects that was going on and have a few weeks out and think great that's it you know I haven't drunk but then I'd go bang and go hard again Um I grew up with music around me music played a really big part in my late teens and my 20s um, going raving I had older friends And I had the party crowd. So yeah, I was always caught up with them. But I enjoyed it. And they were friends. But we didn't do much else outside of that kind of environment. And if we did do something else, it always led to drinking. So yeah, that kind of was my 20s. And then I became a mum in my when I was 30, I fell pregnant. And then 31, I had my son. So going out to that extent like I did in my 20s wasn't an option so I became the wine mum and we hear it a lot but I was <laughs> I was the definition of the wine mum I was everywhere I went I had a glass of wine it came with everything that I did um the relationship with my son's dad was very tricky so um that probably ramped up the drinking a lot more and yeah I was in quite a demanding job and I was a sink I ended up being a single mom so a single mom with a, a demanding job and the job that I did involved looking after other families in a local authority so I felt like I was you know spinning lots of plates and I was extremely overloaded and I knew I was overloaded but I tried things to help with that like you know, the the well-being side of things like yoga and some time by myself, but I didn't like being by myself really. And when I did, I'd often drink. So yeah, the alcohol, you know, was there day in, day out. Um, I was drinking most evenings, if not every evening, drunk a little bit more over the weekends. And I decided, well, there was a few serious incidents that happened along the way, and I was very reactive when I drank. So I didn't stop drinking when those incidents happened, but they definitely helped plant seeds for when I did decide to stop drinking, which was in the pandemic. I actually tried, I, I think it was the July of the pandemic and I had a few weeks out of drinking I decided that was it. That's enough. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And then I fell ill. And then I started drinking because I was ill. And I didn't know that that was a trigger for me before, or but it definitely was. And then I drank throughout the August. Um, I was away. I was on holiday and I was with friends. And then it came to September and I literally woke up one day and I just said, that is it. That is it now. Um, I'm not going to drink anymore. So that's kind of the story behind my drinking and my decision to stop mm-hmm.
0: drinking. I love it when you hear different elements um and and things that break down that kind of rock bottom stigma you know like that we've talked about and it has shifted over the last few years that kind of okay sort of image of everything falling apart and things being so dreadful that you have to stop and your sort of personal decision you know like you said there were seeds planted there um and you just said right that that's it that that very feels like a very personal moment and decision to go that that's actually it
1: yeah it was things had got quite chaotic i guess i mean from the outside nobody would have seen that of course there was close people to me that were aware of some of the serious incidents that happened but they didn't see the day to day life mm. um i wouldn't say i was an alcoholic but my the way that I drank um, to cope with the areas that I was really struggling with. Like, I felt contained. I was a single mum. I was at home. Um, As much as I've got family and friends around me that have supported with, you know, childcare and my situation over the years, um, I can't thank them enough. But the day-to-day living, the adulting, the parenting, the waking up, the the rinse and repeat of life, um, yeah, it was... I felt really sad sometimes or a lot of the time I felt lonely I could pick up the phone I could phone a friend I could you know go out for dinner with someone but wine was my fake best friend it was there with me every day it made me feel like everything was okay and I it was just it was tough on that sense. So yeah, when these incidents were happening, these serious incidents, people would see and think that I dealt with them really well, and I did deal with them really well. You know, brushed myself off and I got back up. But there was layers of shame and guilt and those feelings, those really big feelings that I couldn't deal with. So I drank on top of that. So things were things were feeling quite chaotic, and you know, mm. I didn't have calm and I didn't have peace. And that's what I wanted to change. I knew that there was a better version of me inside that needed to come out. I just didn't know how to help her.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I hear you. It's like that. God, for if I had a pound for every woman who feels like that, who says that, you know, that every, like, you know, when you said like the rinse and repeat, the loneliness, the sheer load as well that we have on us as women and moms, and then the keeping up appearances and the managing it it's just a lot right it's just a freaking lot and then we're told that that's actually what we should be doing and we deserve it so we're like oh of course I need to have a drink because that's the reward and that's my comfort you know like you said the best friends um yeah it's the wrong tool. It's entirely the wrong tool. And we need totally different tools <laughs> and community. And, and all the of, rest of course. It. And once I'd learned those
1: things, there was no looking back at mm. alcohol. I, you know, there have been some times when I felt triggered or I thought, God, yeah, a drink would really help with that situation or help me or my mood. Um, because I know different, because I felt good from other things since giving mm. up alcohol I know that 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 was it just wouldn't serve me that purpose anymore mm. but it is it is the learning and you it it takes time and it is a process but it's we get we have so much time when we stop drinking mm. and once I heard about the nervous system it was like these light bulbs just going off in my head you know like I definitely feel like I can I know how to manage that now <sighs> I'm quite a busy person I have it, my body feels busy, my mind feels busy. So my friends and family, you know, I'm out on my bike and I've got my music on, and that's the way I manage it. Mm. And it's not necessarily sometimes it is distraction, but sometimes it is calming, and I think very clearly when I'm in going 12 miles per hour on my bike with a house set playing, you know. <laughs> so that's where some of my best thoughts come to me. So <laughs> yeah, there's there's lots of tools that I have now and um they come out at different times. I it it is a case of listening in. And sometimes I don't know what I need. I have to really sit down and think, okay, what what is it? What's going on? But that doesn't come so easy to me. Um but it is it is a
0: process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh you know part of that going back to the the sort of social stuff because I know that's what we you know we wanted to talk about today. Um and from when you said, you know, from when you were a kid, you know, there was that that element that alcohol was used very heavily to help you socialise and manage that kind of confidence, you know, try to, it gives us that sort of, oh, I don't know, smooths away the edges and makes us, gives us a boost, doesn't it? sort of, I remember the similar for me, I was an anxious teenager and it was like, oh, right, okay, that's what I need to make me feel normal almost and like I can socialise. Um and it sounds like that was a really big part of you almost reclaiming that, you know, that 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 love of socialising, but in a way that you could do it sober.
1: A million percent. Um, it's taken time and it's been baby steps. I was as much as the pandemic was a really shit situation. I was very lucky that I gave up in the pandemic, because there was no social pressure. And I literally locked myself in, I had my bubble, my sober bubble going on, I was made redundant from this, you know, really demanding job. And I was just at home doing my sober thing. So there was no social events. And slowly but surely, obviously, things were creeping in and you know, a dinner and then it was an afternoon tea and then it was a festival and this was all last year and um, there was some the year before actually but last year seemed to be a bit more I think because i would got time behind me I felt a little bit more confident to kind of dabble in those social situations but they were planned really carefully the people that I went with you know my safe people in settings where I felt safe you know with a get out plan um, and and As much as I really enjoyed all of those, the the festival that I went to last year was fantastic. Um, And then it was autumn. We went through that. But as the autumn came, it it was my birthday and we went out to a dance event. I just wanted to go dancing. And it felt so good. Like being out, yes, people were drinking and people were, you know, taking things and it was all very loud and energetic. But I was in the middle of it. I was the party person there, you know, and I was sober and I had my wine glass with my ginger tonic or whatever in and I felt part of the crowd. And it really hit me that it wasn't the drinking that I I was missing, it was the music and the environment and the buzz. Because that's, I fit into that really well. And I was brought up with that. So all of those years, you know, in my 20s and just before that, in my late teens, when I was partying, yes, okay, the drink was there, but it was about the music, but I just didn't know it back then, I thought they just went hand in hand, and that's really sad, actually, because music is, it's so valuable for us, you're having a down day, or you need some classical piano, or you need something really up-tempo, and you're at the gym, or whatever, you just need one of those days, where you just dance in the kitchen, like, it is really important, and it's a shame that, it gets taken away when people go sober because Mm. they don't think that they can have it. And if all fairness, I couldn't really listen to music that much when I first gave up alcohol, not, not to the extent I do now, because it was quite triggering for me, you know, the old house sets or certain DJs or whatever, it's something I listened to and I think, Oh God, yeah, I remember that time I was really wasted. So I couldn't at first, I had to protect that, but it creeped back in very quickly. And To then go out to the extent that I did this summer with the festival in, it was planned around the music and it all was planned really carefully. And, you know, as much as I had that crutch with alcohol when I was younger, um, I I don't have that now. So it's you know, this is it, you know. I just have to go and be me. I hide sometimes, I hide in a toilet or I hide around a corner and I take five minutes, or I'm like, I'll go and get the coffee or I'll go and get the drink just so I can have a moment by myself. But it's not that I don't want to be there, I just need that chance to breathe. And mm. that's really that regulation important. again, isn't it? Yeah, that, it's that, like that okay, I've, yeah, I've been dancing for two hours or I've been talking lots, and it's that sensory overload, mm. and I never knew about that before. Yeah. Um, you know even planning things back to back day after day or you know every hour of the day mm. there needs to be that time to regulate take a breath then mm. you can go back
0: into it yeah yeah I love it. I love there's so many bits that I want to um pull out about I think I just want to say about the kind of integration piece before we kind of dive into your kind of toolkit if you like for yeah for socializing because I think that would be really helpful for people um but I've heard this. I think one of the beautiful things about like second year of sobriety and going into third year of sobriety is that um, that things start to integrate again. So, like you say, actually those things are, that we love that have been intertwined with alcohol often are triggering. So it's almost like okay, we've got to uncouple them. So if sometimes we can't have them straight away, and it's about distraction and breaking and doing different habits, and then. But essentially we it's like a journey for me and for I see in other people in it. I think what you just said is like a journey back to self and rediscovering what I love, reconnecting with my first loves, so like music, like dancing, and and that joy of when you find yourself back again. And it did, and so you didn't lose it because when we stopped drinking, it's like I I feel like I've lost it. I felt like I'd lost certain things about myself and I couldn't have them because like you said it was like it's triggering and it's like oh my god it's such a relief when you find you can have them again right
1: yeah it is and if somebody had said to me that I would go out to a festival again even within my first I wouldn't say my first year but my first three months of sobriety um when I was re-watching oh games of thrones and (laughs) blinders and whatever I could find on Netflix to binge the life out of with my treats with my blankets during the autumn I would have thought that they were crazy you know I Mm -hmm. had to just breathe and reconnect with myself I didn't know what I liked without alcohol I didn't know you know what made me light up or what made me feel happy because alcohol had been part of everything that I'd done for the best part of two decades So I had to really hone down with that. And I didn't think I'd like anything again. I thought it'd just be me on my bike with my headphones and my candles in the autumn and that would be it. So coming out of that and taking the baby steps into socialising again. And it was playing around with it a little bit. You know, I did the, as I said, an afternoon tea and a festival and a dinner and yes, I enjoyed all of those things, but certain I was like, OK, this I enjoy this a little bit more than this now. So I was almost making my own bucket list from the things that I was dipping my toes into mm. again. So, yeah, it's about rediscovering
0: mm. and exploration. right? And yeah, it's, it's like there's a curiosity to, to what you're saying, which I really love. About well, what happens if I do this? Do I like it's all right to have changed as well? Like, how rigid do we think as well? We're like, oh my God, like this is, you know, it's like, oh, okay. Um I love what you say, and I'm just wondering then, you know, you've already you've talked about that kind of sensory uh, becoming skillful about meeting your sensory needs and becoming intimate with your sensory needs as part of the essential toolkit what other things have you learned that are really important for you to to sober socializing <laughs> sober socializing thank you um, yeah. yes
1: that's okay um i'm very cautious of protecting my energy so If I know I'm going on a big day out, be it, I don't know, a festival or if I've been to the seaside recently, you know, a day out where we're out from morning till the evening. I know that I need a pocket in the morning where I can sit down and have a coffee and just play on my phone or go for a little walk by myself. I need that. That comes into practice actually most days and my working days as well, which are quite high energy. I work with little children from home. So you can imagine that's that's there too. Um and the after bit, so I need rest afterwards. I need a rest day. So even though I'm not hung over, I'm really heightened. I'm tired, you know, my body's been busy, you know, I've been dancing all day or I've been talking. So there's that whole sensory piece there. And I need to come down. And I need to regulate that again, especially um, before, during the summer, I was working Monday to Fridays to go out on a Saturday. That Sunday is a day of nothing. There's mm-hmm. not, not, not very, you know, I, I didn't plan anything in. And that's kind of been me over the mm-hmm. last few months as well. Um, I'd say probably the best part of the year, you know, securing that space for myself. Um, it's really important, really mm-hmm. important.
0: Yeah. And it's, we don't often think about that, do it? I mean, it's like, I think it's built in when you, if you drink, when you're socialising, you allow a day for a hangover. Yeah. And there's a tendency when you are, when we go sober, to... I mean, I know that I was like, I'm like super part of that kind of real excellent bit, Beginning, some people call it the pink cloud or whatever. It's like, yeah, I'm invincible. I've got all this time back and I'm going to do da-da-da-da-da, I'm going to do X, Y and Z and da-da-da. And it was really having to learn to put in that. It's like the social hangover time. It's... I
1: now know what my social capacity is. Mm. It's my capacity with everything, with life. So be it having visitors or a day out or work, um, very rarely did I work a five day week. And when I did, I knew that I would need Saturday and Sunday with nothing booked in. And even when I did drink, actually, I didn't really box off those hangover days. Because I was like, one, like, I just kept going. And because I just have a drink the next day, and they'd end up back to square one, it's like, great, I'm, I've got this energy. So I was running, just layering all of that before all of that sensory, that nervous system stuff. Oh, it was relentless. How on earth I didn't crash? Well, I probably did in some way, but I've that's been a massive learning for me now. So I'm not drinking, I don't have a hangover, but my sensory overload needs to come down afterwards. Yeah. Um, definitely. And when I have been out over the summer,
0: sorry, you did you ask about tools? For going out. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we yeah. are. We? I mean, we are talking, aren't we? Because it's like those are yeah. boundaries, right? You just yeah. your edges and your boundaries.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, what well, and what about like what I do during the day? Yeah, what do yeah. you do? Okay. Yeah, to
0: prep for go- for going out, and how do you cope with the event itself?
1: Okay, so yeah, obviously the morning I try and have some quiet time, and you know the nice bath and getting ready and some music, but when I'm out. I have coffee so I've I kind of already know my drinks now I don't need an alcohol-free version of anything I can I can have a tonic I can have a ginger drink ginger's really nice it's got that bite you kind of mm. feel like you are having something naughty I guess or something that gives you that bit of fire mm. um, and ginger is my favorite thing I steep it in jars like in abundance and um, I discovered MCT oil which is a co- uh, like a, a biohack oil that you put in coffee so it's like a bulletproof coffee and I don't know if anyone's like there will be people that listen that heard of it what is it mct mct oil so it's a Mm. fat so if your diet is like a keto diet or a low carb diet um it's a good fat and it builds your energy but having caffeine with fat doesn't give you the jitters that caffeine can give you
0: right so, so it's
1: like a very steady energy and mm. it doesn't come Maybe down it's just that mm. if you don't you just stabilize on it mm. um and when I discovered that a few months ago I've used it for exercising like if I've gone on one of my, my mega bike rides it's just it's you just feel energized and it's not a drug or like you know one of those like an amphetamine kind of thing or something mm. or a Red Bull or a jittery coffee it's different and you feel really alert like I'm on the ball, I've got my aim game on, my A game, sorry, Um. so yeah, so I've had MCT oil, and I've gone to some of the festivals over the summer, just one, like I've timed it really well, so I might have a normal coffee in the morning, and I've had one of a bulletproof coffee in the afternoon, that's then kept me going, and then when I feel like maybe I don't have that energy, and then think, right, okay, now I'm ready for a treat, so i have something to eat be it something i wouldn't normally have or if i can find a coffee and cake stall i'm going in for the coffee and the cake and mm-hmm. i need to sit down i just need to have my coffee i need to have my cake and if there isn't that there i know that i'm coming home to a really big plate of sourdough toast with lashings of butter and a <laughs> cup of tea so i've already got that planned <laughs> in the evening and i've always got chocolate on me i always have a bar of dark chocolate so i would if something just felt a little bit much about the day or I was hungry but I didn't necessarily want the food that was there a couple of squares of dark chocolate and just you know letting that dissolve in my mouth that is that is lovely so whilst everyone else is at the festival 12 people deep in a bar and I've just sneaked off around the corner to go and have my little bit of chocolate and regulate myself I come back out like hi and I'm ready for it like round two um I've always got somebody who knows that I might just kind of slip off so I'm safe. Um, I actually had a bit of an, uh, uh, a story over the summer where I ended up at a boat party. My friend was DJing on it and she invited me to go on the boat with her. So I went to go on the boat party and she didn't turn up and it was too late because I was already on the boat and didn't know no one. Oh I'd met God. a couple of people the week yeah. before at another event, but um, I didn't have a friend. I didn't have a safe person. Um, so I had mentioned to the, one of the promoters that were there that I was sober and they were like, it's okay, we got you, we'll look after you. They kind of introduced me to the security guard and, you know, I met other people that worked on the boat and um, I met another sober person on the boat, believe it or not, would you have it in the middle of the Thames, another sober person. So (laughs) I was then safe. And I I couldn't even comprehend that that kind of situation happened. But you think about not meeting sober people when you're out, there are sober people, there really Mm. are. So as much as I've gone to events where people are drinking, and there's other shenanigans going on there are sober people um but in all fairness I haven't really looked for them because mm. I've been so happy just doing my own thing mm. I love
0: that that's amazing because when you when you said that I felt <laughs> quite panicky I was like oh my god I think I'd freak out like oh, I can't believe loads. I just said
1: I actually love telling the story yeah. now it's just like it's just it's given me more sober strength like god if I can yeah. get through that Admittedly, get through I had that. a pan- I had an anxiety attack mm. at first I was like I just had to go outside and breathe a bit deeply mm. um it was absolutely packed on the boat by the end of it I knew half the people on the
0: boat yeah you know my comfort thing. zone. because part it of what nice- you're saying is like you know that respecting like knowing your edges knowing your boundaries and keeping yourself safe and respecting your limits but what you've just said as well is equally important about there are times in our sobriety with whether it's by our own choice or because we've decided to do that where you stretch your edge zone a bit and what confidence can come from that which is that for you, you were thrusting. You had greatness thrust on you, sort of thing. <laughs> I had to just give myself
1: a bit of a talking to. I went to the toilet and I was like, "There's nothing." I asked them to stop the boat. I said, "You need to stop the boat. I need to get off." But of course, they can't just stop the boat, <laughs> stop um, the flight. but I gave myself a bit of a talking to it wasn't nice because I was contained I was on this you know again those feelings for me that came up you know when I used to drink I was contained and I was lonely and I was on a boat and there was one moment I thought I'm gonna need a drink and I was just like what on earth Claire seriously no you don't just go and get on with it the music's there people do know you people are aware that 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 you're net there now so just go and embrace it I actually went out to go and meet my DJ friend after that and stayed out till two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and had a great night you know it was absolutely crazy like, I was buzzing and I was just so like yeah. it was just such a good energy I had a really good night um and then I had two more nights out well uh, yeah following that so yeah it's been eventful <laughs> Oh my
0: goodness, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, and, and it is though, isn't it? Because that's the other thing when I think, imagine how, you know, our, our lives when we're sober, they expand. And so what feels like a stretch in the early days is just like, I've just got to get through tea time. Yes. Then the next one is like, I just need to get through and put on the Game of Thrones, scare blanket. Okay, I've made another day. And then fast forward two years, you're on a part. you're on a boat on your own, not knowing anyone <laughs> in a full-on party scene, and you're like, okay, I've got this, right? <laughs> Look at that, right? Look at that. <laughs>
1: I know, I, honestly. Um, and it, you know, I planned my summer so that I would have these events to go to. I was mm-hmm. testing myself, it was a challenge, you know. I wanted to just prove that I've still to myself, it was all for me. It wasn't for nobody else, it wasn't for any other reason for me like i can do this so i'm going to throw myself in at the deep end i've got the the space after these events in case i need to reach out to anyone or people mm-hmm. know where i am and i was with safe people of course that didn't happen on the party boat but um i actually found a sober ally on the party mm-hmm. boat you know what i would call a friend now so um yeah So, yeah, it was it was a challenge that I set for myself. It could have gone horribly wrong. But to be honest, I haven't thought about alcohol for absolutely ages. And I knew I was going for the music, for the socialising, an organic way to meet new people. It was, you know, that was it as well. I wanted to meet new people. I wanted to be, I wanted to have those random conversations that I used to have, but not be drunk and remember them the next day. And I wanted to take their Facebook details and speak to them afterwards. You know, I wanted all of
0: that Mm. and it, it delivered. And so how do you manage getting your social needs met, getting your rest met and being, you know, being a a solo parent? It comes with planning. It's Mm. always
1: planned in advance. Um, my son, if I've got really lovely, really, I can't, you know, thank my friends and family enough. They've they've been amazing with me over the last 10 years, let alone especially this summer. So my son is older now, so it's easier for him to go and stay somewhere he's 10. So obviously he's very vocal and his needs are met um wherever he goes, but between My family members, I wanted him to also, so the summer planning wasn't just about my needs, it was around his needs because he's an only child. We had lockdown together. We don't have another child in, you know, where we live that he kind of knocks on the door and says, can you come out and play? Obviously he has his school friends, but we don't see them a lot outside of school. So he's quite lonely I guess and he has voiced that to me and he did that just before the summer actually he said he didn't want to be at home with me over the summer and I was like cha-ching this could actually work in both of our favours you know how am I going to plan this one so he had some time with my nan he had some time with my brother and my sister-in-law which is um where my cousins are and his cousins are as well um and it was planned, like I was working, this was my first summer working, um, self-employed as a child minder. Having my son at home on those days is really challenging. So, and it's not because he's, he's naughty or, you know, plays up and it's not because the little children do. It's just because of the age gap and the dynamics of the day. Obviously, they, my, the children I work with in their routine, they need a nap and my son wants to game and he wants to shout. And so it causes conflict. So, yeah, initially, the planning was around me meeting my work needs and my family were on board to help. Um, and of course, I have to ask. My family don't just say, oh, hey, we'll have him and you need a night out. I ask and it's planned in advance and I go with their availability so if something's not going to work out on a day that I need it I've got to work around their availability and you know yourself Kate six weeks holidays it's really tricky I mean you've got two children I've got one and I know that yours are older but you've done those early years kind of planning my summers have always looked like this in terms of strategic planning be it summer clubs family days, my annual leave. Um, So it wasn't new news that I had to plan like that. It was just that I was so much more aware of what I could gain from it Mm -hmm. and how I was going to plan strategically around the travelling of my son going to wherever he was going, the work days, me having the benefit of a day to myself to party or do nothing. Obviously, these rest days had had to come in somewhere as well so yeah it was reaching out mm. and asking and working with whoever it was that I asked um around their availability so yeah they've been amazing people mm. that I've asked and I've I've not felt
0: guilty about any of it you know That's I've just amazing. really enjoyed it but you know what because again all of these things are like for me they're like superpowers like you've <laughs> you know you've like sort of said you know identifying the needs not just yours but also your son's then that thing about advocating for them to go actually I can ask like some people find that like really challenging really difficult a to know what they need b to ask for it c to then go well that's fine if you can't I'm flexible enough to work around that I just feel like you've got like some serious superpowers going on there (laughs) like you're amazing you You are amazing I feel proud of myself I'm you know I really do I've
1: come a long way like thinking of my needs like thinking back to where I was just before I went sober I was lost that I was looking after my son I was managing a situation with my son's dad so I was looking after him I was in this high demanding job where I was looking after other families I was nowhere on that list and now I'm top of the list Mm, you know my son is obviously on a par with me but I have said to my son you know if unless I get what I need sometimes I can't do what I need to do for you properly so I need to go for that cycle by myself at five o'clock in the morning to be able to get through the rest of the day without losing my shit like I need that moment Um, and I've explained this to him and he understands so yeah, yeah It was lovely over the summer that we actually had a chance to miss each other. Yeah, yeah. Because we, it's day in, day out, you know, he said to me before, I just need somebody else in the house with us so I need a mm. dog. And I'm like, yeah, that's another adult in job. I don't want to take on mate I'm trying to get rid
0: of my adult in jobs, not take another one <laughs> on like a dog yeah. um but it's so, a village to raise a child situation exactly. having that support and community and connection is what what we need it's like that's there in the socializing that's there in the parenting that's there in the family life it's, it seems to all circle around that yeah. that, that need for community right it is, and I can't do it all,
1: and I've, no. I I know that, and I own that, and that's not me, you know, feeling bad about it, or you know, that's a sense, that's a, a sense of vo- being vulnerable. Hey, I need some help. Can you yeah. help me? Because yeah. I'm feeling like this way now. So, yeah, it that that was big, that was very big for me. um I've asked for it in the past, but it's like, oh, hey, I just I'm gonna go out for this. So, so yeah, I need help. Um. Sorry. Yeah, I just want to go out, but now it's like, hey, I need some help, and I just need a bit of time to breathe. So, can you help with that? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I just think that you just yeah are going to be so inspiring to so many people listening in. You know, and knowing that there is hope, we need to sort of borrow hope from people that just it's actually going to feel easier, and we will have fun again. And I also think for you know for Moms, you know, parents. That thing of, you know, we do. It does get easier, and we will get through it. You know, and I just think it's like super inspiring, Chris. So I just want to thank you for coming and and sort of talking to us today. And yeah, I'm just sharing your story. Thank you. Thank
1: you. No, I'm glad to be here to share it Um, I've always wanted to be on the podcast <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was that was my number one I remember go when I was dabbling in the um, sober month of July when I first started out and I needed to hear something I can't remember what I listened to but I was like there must be a version I can relate to of this and I just remember typing in like um alcohol pod alcohol free podcast in English or something and upcoming Kate and Mandy and I was like who are these women like oh, you know and that was it I listened to you guys every single day oh. and like that would be my walks that I did I'd have the headphones in and I was listening to Kate and Mandy and you know the effing and the blinding and your stories <laughs> and it was like but I loved it and it was like that's it was so inspiring and then obviously we've you know we've I've shared the last couple of years with you so you've been a big part of my sobriety as Mandy has so yeah the fact that I'm here today I hope that somebody somewhere can take something from this and I haven't just spoken utter a, a garbage you know <laughs> jargon but there's something yeah. somewhere
0: that's helpful but yeah. yeah it's been really good to be here oh thank you so you as you know as you know we end with a reason to love sober right so what is your oh, tip of the day and your reason to love sober okay my tip of the day is
1: let's have a look oh keep adding in keep adding in keep exploring um you might not know what it is that you that lights you up that thing that you think god this is better than drinking you don't know what it is yet keep trying don't give up because there is something there it's a trial and error process persevere with it um there won't won't just be one thing there'll be a few things there and you can dip in and out of them take things away and park something up and then find new things you know just keep keep trying keep adding in because we've got more time being alcohol free um and there are lots of things that you can do in that time but you just need to find what works for you don't give up
0: lovely and what's your reason to love sober
1: because we make better decisions, we're conscious of them, we're aware of them, we're in control of everything again, um, and life is much calmer when we make better decisions, as Mm. my anthem is Mary J Blige, No More Drama, that's been my sobriety anthem, so yeah,
0: make better decisions,
1: and I think you once said to me, yes, we're always just making we're waiting to do the next right thing was that you said that to me once yeah that was one of your sayings yeah so yeah it's just just about doing the next right thing there's no Mm. regrets Mm. yeah oh I love that thanks so much
0: Claire no thank you thank you for having me so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking just reach out send up a flare. you know get connected this podcast has very much been about the power of connection i think and you know find your fit lots of sober communities out there there's love sober there's club soda Soberist as she recovers be sober there's so many right so just have a look find your fit no you're not alone send up a flare email me at kate at lovesober.com and we will see you next week uh, for more chats